You're listening to Love and War with David Harwood. This is a weekly podcast where David offers spiritual insights that are aimed to enhance your relationship with God, yourself, and others. If you are edified by what you hear, please recommend this podcast to people you love. Now, here's David. So I'm still going back into the archives of the blog post that I made oh, you know, within the last couple of years. And there are a few of them that I still want to read. I think that this one, these next couple of ones are, are worthwhile. I want to share them with you. So I'm talking about wholehearted devotion, wholehearted devotion, not just from us towards God, but from God to us. I believe that just as we are called to love God with all our hearts, I believe that the Lord is saying, I love you with all my heart, and we are called to reciprocate this love. So uh, today I'm going to try to apply uh, Jesus's version of uh, Deuteronomy about the call that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm going to, uh, which he said is the greatest commandment, I'm going to try to turn it around uh, so the Lord said, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your understanding, and with all your strength. That's in Mark 12, verse 30. So now, please allow me to pose a couple of questions not specifically answered in Holy Writ. Does God require more than he is willing to give? Does he want us to love him with all our hearts and at the same time withhold his whole heart from us? So since... The scriptures don't spell it out for us. We get to make up our own minds about this. And to me, it it seems incomprehensible that our creator wants more from his creation than he is willing to offer. Do you agree? Let's look at the Lord's heart concerning his beloved people in Jeremiah 32, verse 41. By the way, I'll be reading from the Tree of Life version. Yes, I will delight in doing good for them, and with all my heart and all my soul, I will in truth plant them in this land. So this is an extraordinary prophecy about Israel's restoration. What an amazing declaration of God's intent. If I hadn't read the prophecy, I wouldn't have guessed that anyone would be bold enough to say that God had a soul. Uh, I will delight in doing good for them, and with all my heart and with all my soul, I will in truth plant them in this land. The scripture is saying, That God says, I have a soul, I have a heart, and I'm going to do things with all of my heart and all of my soul. If I hadn't read this prophecy by Jeremiah, I would not have felt like I had an unshakable confidence that God will do things with all his heart and all his soul. To me, that oracle seems like it contains a hint. It sounds like the first commandment, that we must love God with all our hearts. That Our love for God with all of our hearts is the type of love that God has for his children. He loves us with all of his heart. Really, what did God hold back when he gave his only son to die in our place? Nothing. He abandoned himself as the son sensed abandonment. Father gave his whole heart. He gave his son. My mind is made up. Indeed, it can be said that God says, I love you with all my heart. So let's continue. According to the pattern of the greatest commandment that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, I believe it can be reported that the Lord says, I love you with all my soul. 
So let's review Mark's report of the Messiah's instruction. Mark 12, verse 30, Tree of Life version. And you are to love Adonai your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your understanding and with all your strength. Earlier in this podcast, we heard that Jeremiah spoke as the voice of God saying that the Lord had a soul. Now, this is important. According to Jeremiah, the Lord said, I will delight in doing good for them, and with all my heart and all my soul, I will in truth plant them in this land. Jeremiah 32, verse 41. Now, the Hebrew for soul is nephesh, and it's translated in the Septuagint as suke. The Greek translation of soul, nephesh in Hebrew, found in Jeremiah 32 is suke. This is where we get psychology from. It's what's commonly translated as soul. God has a soul. So here's an earlier communication from God about his soul and his purposes in Leviticus 26, verse 11. I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul, my nephesh, my psuche, will not abhor you. In the same way he longed to live in the midst of Israel, so his soul longs to be with you. The Messiah Jesus is God incarnate. He was the perfect image of his Father. He is the image of God to this very day. Paul wrote in Colossians 1 verse 15, we find this. He is the image. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And God incarnate has a soul. As the image of God, Jesus spoke of his own soul. John chapter 12, verse 27. Now my soul, my psuche, in the Hebrew it would be nephesh, is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But it was for this reason I came to this hour. Now allow me the opportunity to define soul. Soul, nephesh, psuche, most simply means a person's life. To illustrate this, look at what Jesus said. For this reason I say to you, I'm reading from Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. Greek is psuche, commonly translated soul. In the Hebrew, nephesh often would mean just a person's life. Do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life, psuche, more than food and the body more than clothing? In John 13, verse 38, Jesus answered and said, Will you lay down your life, your psuche, for me? Um, this word soul basically means a person's life, a person's existence. And yet on another level, from my perspective, the soul is understood in various contexts as being the center of inner human awareness and activity. It's the place where body, spirit, emotions, desires, intellect, feelings, and volition converge and interact. That's our soul. The word soul, suke, can sometimes indicate the inner life of a creature or speak of the creature's natural life. A human being is a living soul made as God's image. God is a living being. God has an inner life. This living one's inner life loved us so much that he acted upon that love and gave his only son and father really loved his son. Isaiah 42 verse 1 from the Tree of Life version Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom my soul, nephesh, or in Septuagint, psuche, in whom my soul delights. I have put my ruach on him. He will bring justice to the nations. 
He is a father that is devoted to his children. He is a bridegroom that loves his wife. He is the Lord of hosts who is committed to the victory of those who fight beside him. As our father, he is looking for children who really love their father. As our groom, he is looking for his bride to be just as devoted to him as he is to her. As the warrior king, he is looking for his army to be with him wholeheartedly in the battle. We are called to reciprocate God's love. His soul is utterly engaged. He is not asking for our soul's love while at the same time his soul is apathetic towards us. He loves us with all his heart and with all his soul. So now we're moving on to continue here. Um, we're speaking about the love of God towards us. Uh, it is written that we love God and other people because God first loved us. The believing community receives God's love and loves God, loves the brethren, loves our neighbors. We love our enemies. That's the defining characteristic of the believing community who have been born from above. And the coming age is a time of humanity's joyous, loyal love towards God and one another. This is what we're being outfitted for in this life. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, Tree of Life version, we ourselves love now because he loved us first. So let's continue in our meditation on the nature of God's love for us. Right now, our concentration is on this truth. Our king is wholeheartedly devoted to us. Once again, here is Jesus' version of the great commandment found in Mark. And you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your understanding, and with all your strength. Mark 12, verse 30. I believe that in the same way we established earlier in this podcast that God loves us with all his heart and soul, so also I believe the Lord wants to communicate to us, I love you with all my mind. King David is generally believed to be the author of Psalm 1. He followed the example of holy men and meditated on God's law, God's Torah, day and night. Did he believe that God paid attention to him? Yes, of course he did. In fact, he was in awe of God's thoughts toward him. Psalm 8, verse 5. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Well, what are the nature of God's thoughts? They are good, and there are plenty of them. The number of them towards each of us is staggering. Think of counting the sand in the desert. Psalm 139, verses 17 and 18, Tree of Life version how precious are your thoughts, O God! How great is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. So look, if the vast quantity of his thoughts are any indication, the Creator is a father and friend who is really concerned about each of us. In addition, your father loves you so much that he has made plans for you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, Tree of Life version, uh, we can find that Paul wrote, As it is written, Things no eye has seen and no ear has heard that have not entered the heart of mankind, these things God has prepared for those who love him. He is adjusting all of creation and every instance of 
everything that ever happened for your benefit. Romans 8.28 Now we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. God, our God, is omniscient and our God is wise. And the scriptures are clear. God knows, God thinks, and God concentrates. Psalm 92 verse 6, Tree of Life version. How great are your works, Adonai! How profound are your thoughts! His sense of knowing, his use of imagination, and his focus is something like ours. It's akin to ours. We are the image of God. Of course the Creator is on a whole other plane of existence. We, as His image, are like a selfie on a cell phone compared to the subject of the photo. As His image, though, our love for Him mirrors His love for us. We are not being asked to concentrate upon Him while His attention wanders far from us. No, the text is clear. In Psalm 139, verse 3, Tree of Life version, You observe my journeying and my resting, and you are familiar with all my ways. He loves us so much that he is concentrating upon us. He loves us with all his mind. This is God's greatest commandment to us. You are to love Adonai, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your understanding and with all your strength. Again, Yeshua's words, Jesus' words found in Mark 12, verse 30. The greatest command is a call to reciprocal, corresponding love. Along those lines, let us consider this. In the light of the command to love God with all our heart, with all of our soul, and with all our understanding, and with all our strength, I believe it is accurate to say that the Lord wants us to know, I love you with all my strength. Well, how could this possibly be proven? How might the Almighty make known this expression of love? How? by limiting his power when God was fully made flesh. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, Tree of Life version, Have this attitude in yourselves, which also is in Messiah Yeshua, who, though existing in the form of God, did not consider being equal to God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, becoming the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. God incarnate offered himself up for us at Golgotha. It was then that he expended all his strength because he loved us. The enfleshed creator loved us, past the limit of his power when Yeshua surrendered his spirit to the Father. Consider these verses. Luke 23 verse 46 And Yeshua, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, the last part of that verse, Ben Elohim, the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. 
Father also showed his love and power when he raised Yeshua from the dead. When he raised Jesus from the dead, it was an awe-provoking revelation of the surpassing greatness of his power. Paul wrote, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches, the richness of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding great power toward us who keep trusting him in keeping with the working of his mighty strength. This power he exercised in Messiah when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heaven. He is far above any ruler, authority, power, leader, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Ephesians 1 verses 18 through 21. How will he demonstrate the strength of his love for us? in the same way he demonstrated his power in the Messiah's resurrection, through the Messiah, Yeshua, through Jesus. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, again reading strictly from the Tree of Life version, For our citizenship is in heaven, and from there we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. He will transform this humble body of ours into the likeness of his glorious body through the power that enables him even to put all things in subjection to himself. Our God is going to demonstrate the strength of his love for us through the Messiah in the same way that the Father demonstrated his power in the Messiah's resurrection. Now we, we are called to this amazing marriage reciprocal love. The one who loves us with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength is enabling his wife, the believing community, to love him the same way. The community of disciples says, yes, we love you with all our strength because you love us with all your might. First John chapter 4 verse 19, we love because he first loved us. The greatest of all commands, that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, is a call to corresponding love which begins now and extends into eternity. May the seed of this word bear fruit in your life. Please receive this instruction, cultivate it, and may God receive a harvest of your heart's reciprocal devotion. Love and War is written and presented by David Harwood. Editing is by David and Sammy Avino, who is also the producer and technical advisor for the podcast. David is the pastor of Restoration Fellowship in Glencove, New York, and the author of the books God's True Love and For the Sake of the Fathers. To purchase copies of David's books, please go to loveofgodproject.org. The theme song for this podcast is Skirmish, from the album Combustion, which was written and performed by Leonard Jones. Additional episodes of Love and War can be downloaded on the Podbean app or through iTunes. For more information on Love and War, Restoration Fellowship, God's True Love, or For the Sake of the Fathers, visit us on restorationfellowshipny.com, loveofgodproject.org, book.forthesakeofthefathers.com, or you can follow us on Facebook at Restoration Fellowship NY, Love of God Project, Love and War DH, 
and for the sake of the fathers. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email David at loveandwar underscore dh at yahoo.com. As always, please remember to share Love and War and support us by leaving a positive review on iTunes and Podbean.